Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Reddit Readings. On this fine Tuesday we are listening to stories from r slash pro revenge. Enjoy. Reddit Readings, episode 43. Now streaming, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Revenge on the lowlife landlord, who first deprived us of heat, and later kept our security deposit. I was a kid back in the 80s, two years out of college, when I moved into an apartment by the shore in New Jersey. When the cold weather arrived, there was always a few days when the apartment was cold. We would tell the super, and then the heat would start arriving. One year the heat started decreasing in February, and inside the apartment was like in the 50s, and we had to start wearing coats. We told the super about it and nothing happened this time. We wrote the landlord about it, and still nothing. So we checked with an attorney, and learned about warranty of habitability, and withholding of rents. So yet another certified letter to the landlord, and we start withholding rents. He files a motion to evict us, and we answer with the merity defense, depositing the withheld monies with the court. The judge finds in our favor for all the money with withheld. We continue to live there, because there just aren't many other options, as we save for a home. Flash forward to living there for 6 years, on the last lease, because we are about to buy a home, we write in a clause, that we can break the lease with 45 days notice in writing, similar to his 45 day clause. They don't notice it, because it's slightly obscured on the top left of page 2, so they sign off on it, and return it to me. So in the middle of the lease, we give the 45 day written notice, make the rent payments, and leave. They don't return our deposit, so we sue for it, demanding double. They sue us for the remainderment of the 6 months rent, and refuse to return our security deposit. This is no longer small claims court, but we proceed without an attorney anyway, they are expensive. We arrive at the courthouse and court forces a round of arbitration. The arbitrator says we will lose in front of the judge and to pay the rent remainderments. We refuse and wait for the judge. While waiting the landlord's attorney drops by and asks why we didn't take the arbitrator's advice, so we tell him about the clause we wrote in, and he states he saw it too, and that since it was crossed out, it's not part of the deal. We show him our copy of the lease, where it's not crossed out, and his face goes white as a sheet. He makes a call to the landlord, who then offers to properly break the lease with no penalty and return our security deposit in full. 
we refuse, and we show him the certified letter stating that we would have accepted that deal up until yesterday, but that if you force us to come down to court, we want double damages of the improper withholding of the security deposit. He tries again to reach out to the landlord, but no luck this time. We go to see the judge. He looks at both leases and calls their attorney to the bench. The judge takes our lease and thrusts it toward their attorney and says, this is the lease in force. Their attorney starts walking around the courtroom like a chick with his head cut off, while I try to laugh as quietly as possible. The judge finds for us the double damages. We receive nothing for a week, and I go back to the courthouse, where the clerk says they should pay that judgment immediately, and tells us about chattel execution, and gives us that form. A couple of weeks pass, and a check appears from the landlord. Another month passes, and we get a call from the court. They have our money. I told them the landlord had sent her check a while back, so it's all good. She tells us that we should have informed the court that we got the money to stop the chattel execution from occurring. The court sent the sheriff to their offices and confiscated office equipment and sold it at auction to satisfy the judgment. They said don't worry, they will just return the money to the landlord. That is the revenge, getting the money, and having them experience the abrupt seizing of their assets at their place of business, having it sold at auction, and then having the money returned to them. Major Pro Justice. Hit my car, and try to get away. I'll track you down, and make you pay, double. So I never knew about this community until now, so I'm happy to share my story. This happened a few years ago. So my fiancé at the time, now wife, were driving around looking for dresses for her bridesmaids to wear for the wedding. We had been going from place to place looking for something she liked but no luck. We had just finished leaving David's bridal and were leaving the plaza. It had been raining a lot, so the roads were slick. As I reached the intersection of where the plaza met the road to turn out, another car came turning in. Unfortunately, he didn't break soon enough and skidded into the front end of the driver's side. Thankfully everyone was okay. We got out of our cars and looked at the damage. His car, of course, was completely unharmed and mine had a minor dent. He looked about 45 and had his son in the car with him. We exchanged names and phone numbers. He let me know he was on the way to work and I told him we were just wedding shopping. I was 22 at the time and very naive as to what to do in case of an accident. He told me that we both seemed pretty busy and that we should just handle it ourselves since we were both busy. We didn't call the police, my mistake, and he told me to get the damage looked at to see what it would cost. I took the car in two days later and they quoted me $1,100 for the bumper to be replaced. I texted him, and he told me he will be getting scholarships in two months, when he goes back to school, and he will be able to pay me in cash then. I, again naively, told him that's fine. A week later I followed up with him about another estimate I got which was lower than the original, $900, but I got no response. I texted him again and again for the next few days and nothing. At this point I realized he had bailed. I came up with a plan to find him. All I had was his name, a now useless phone number, and a general area of where he worked. I searched for him on Facebook, and was pretty sure I found him. I searched under his family members, and saw what looked to be like his son. 
my soon-to-be sister-in-law was 16 and looked about the same age as his son. I decided to go full-on sleuth and go undercover. I used her Facebook and changed her last name to match this. I then messaged the son and told him that I thought we might be cousins. I asked him some questions about his dad, like name and his job, and told him that my mom said I have an uncle down there by that name and worked at this guitar shop. He answered yes that was his dad's name and told me the name of the place where his dad worked. I was so relieved I was making progress. The next day I drove back up near the accident and found where the man worked. I found his car and took pictures of his license plate. I then took all the info I had and went to the courthouse. I filled out paperwork and handed it to the clerk. The clerk told me they could either mail the form to his work address or if I paid $25 I could have an officer hand deliver it. Of course I paid the $25 just to embarrass him at his place of work. A few weeks later we were summoned to the court to see if we could work things out before going to an actual hearing. He showed up and we sat down with a mediator. She explained everything to all of us. I told him I didn't want to do this, but he stopped responding. He replied that his phone was stolen, so he had to get a new one. In my mind a phone being stolen doesn't equal changing your phone number. I knew he was lying. The moderator asked him to step outside. She talked to us and told us not to trust him because his story didn't make sense. The mediator invited him back inside and we weed over the terms I listed in the court documents. He was to pay $2,400. I charged him the original replacement cost, gas from driving back and forth, my time for doing all this work, and extra just for being an asshole. He said he would pay, but didn't like that I went to his job and took pictures of his car. I replied I didn't like that he hid my car. A few months later he paid the full amount in cash and had to pay for our court costs as well. I sold the damaged car and took the cash he gave me to buy another car fully in cash. All in all I benefited from it, but next time I'll just call the cops and save myself the headache. Best mate gets fired and blamed for theft. I kill my boss's business. Bit of backstory, my boss owns two bakeries. One earns more than the other, and the other has essentially been disowned. It makes a small amount of bread, and I'll get to that later. So I work as a baker in a well-known baking franchise chain in Australia. I've thoroughly enjoyed it until fairly recently, when a co-worker leaves, after having a child, and a replacement is brought in. Oh boy, this replacement. This guy is King Dick. The biggest knob I've ever had the displeasure of working with. And within about two months, I've been essentially exiled to the shit store. I've never worked there before. So I was honestly dreading it for a while. This new guy had been running everyone into the ground and dug his roots into the place so hard and gotten into the boss's ear fairly well. I get to the sister store and I was honestly dumbfounded. The production was small and it was generally a joke at the main store and it wasn't hard to figure out why. Half of the oven didn't have power or simply had busted element not allowing it to heat up. The mixing bowl screamed whenever it was turned on, signaling it needed its bearings replaced urgently. The retarder slash provers had gigantic, gaping holes in them and pulled with water on the daily and the other baker that was there, who we will call Steve, had had enough. Steve had been there for about 3 years and wasn't even aware 
that King Dick had even been hired, but he knew him well. It turned out that Steve and King Dick were both apprentices at the same store before King Dick was fired for theft. You can all see where this is going from here. I worked at the sister store for about 6 months, doing the Easter season with Steve, and it was gruesome. Trays weren't replaced, some had breaks in them, I don't even know how it's possible. Provers leaked constantly, requiring mopping halfway through a shift, and because a non-slip floor, which was so old it was dangerously slippery, had so many breaks in it, the place smelled of dirty moldy water that nobody could get to because it would get under the non-slip floor covering. It was foul. About three months ago, I got some bad news. Josh, a good friend of mine at the main store, had been sacked. Money had been missing from the store, and it was in upwards of $3,000 over the course of a few months. There was no evidence that it was Josh, but it didn't matter. King Dick got into the boss's head, and slowly but surely, Josh was warned for the most trivial of things, all of which weren't even his doing. He was fired after his third, unfair strike. He would be taking him to Fair Work Australia, but I had bigger plans. First step was to walk inside the provers with my phone, take it out of my pocket, and took a nice photograph of the floor. My next step was to make a fake complaint during a hot day to head office about the store I was currently working at, pretending to be a customer. I demanded to know how a place could be so filthy and not anything be done about it for so long. I told them it reeked of damp mold, which it did in the hot days. We kept fans and an air conditioner blowing toward the customers constantly, so they wouldn't smell it. They said they'd get back to me. I told them not to bother. I wasn't shopping there again. The third step was to report them to WorkSafe, the government safety board for workers. I requested to remain anonymous and attach the photo. I told them all about the faulty ovens, the dodgy mixing bowl, and also told them there were other problems in the main store, but as I hadn't been there for months at this point, I couldn't say what there was, but I did mention the drain cover in the back that had come loose one week and the boss informed us to just put it back so nobody breaks their ankle, never actually fixing the problem. So it still came out from time to time, if you stepped on, or rolled over it wrong with the bin. They came into the sister store and shut it down within 20 minutes. There was a slew of problems, probably more than I reported. The place was a disaster zone, and it was clear they weren't fucking around. I had a couple days off and found out during those that the main store was also shut down, as they found rust around the inside of and mold growing inside the fans of the retarder, effectively throwing mold spores all over the products meant for the next day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Both places were shut down. It's going to cost the boss tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars in replacing machinery, flooring, and fines. The boss blamed Josh for all of this. Mostly because King Dick shoved it all onto him. But if he got his facts right, he wouldn't have lost his business.
Everyone working there was paid a severance package, including King Dick, but at least I know I won't be working with him again. I'd rather shit on my hands and clap. Changing a big fat target on my back, to my boss being escorted out by security. This happened a few years ago, but the story appears to be a good match for this sub. I was one of two commercial writer-slash-producers working in the production department at a local television station. Our department was responsible for producing both the newscasts and commercials for clients who purchased airtime on our station. The department is high stress. I had to manage multiple deadlines and provide creatives for about a dozen ad campaigns every month. That being said, I always met my deadlines and our sales department was always complimentary of my work, steering the more important clients my way. Unfortunately, managers in my department came and went with unsettling frequency. In the nine years I was there, I had six different managers. Most often, the managers were passing through with their sights, set on snagging upper-level management jobs in larger television markets. This meant their experience actually doing the work of television production was often minimal, so they had a tendency to not interfere with our work, so long as clients were happy and deadlines were being met. Given the managers were so disengaged, I told our general sales manager about my idea for saving time and money in the department and he suggested I apply for the production manager position the next time it opened up. So I did. I did not get the job. I was told I was too important maintaining good client relationships through my work as a producer. No big deal, I thought. I was happy as a producer. Unfortunately, the person they did hire for the position ended up being a monumental asshole of the first order. I'll call him Bob. The first thing Bob wanted to know was who in the department had applied for the position he now filled. I don't know what idiot in upper management thought it would be a good idea to tell him, but someone did. It soon became apparent he wanted to find any excuse he could to fire me, because that was just the kind of insecurity it he was. It began by him writing me about the time I was taking to complete commercial productions. Then he accused me of undercharging clients in my billing. He wanted me to wear a suit and tie, which he knew I hated. As the writing on the wall became clear, I began documenting every single interaction with him. Taking notes about what was said, and contradicting his accusations with the facts. All the while, he is managing to piss a whole lot of people off in our department and morale really began to tank. Bob was petty, vain and given to things like announcing how lavish and wonderful a vacation he was planning would be. He was going to Aruba, so he'd put up travel posters and printed out a ridiculous sign he taped to his office door that would say something like, my island adventure begins in two weeks. All this served to remind us that he was the only one in our department who made enough money to take that kind of vacation. Eventually, an incident occurred where I missed a deadline through no fault of my own. The client wanted to change up the creatives at the last minute, and we had to bump the film shoot. Somehow, Bob got it in his head that I should have been a mind reader and anticipated the client's wishes before they were communicated. He calls me into his office and begins berating and threatening me. I had had enough. I'm the kind of person who will take a lot of shit with patience and grace, but when I'm finally pushed to my boiling point, I fucking explode. I start yelling back, you're a fucking liar, and if you think I don't know how to handle this client, then fine. Let me see you fucking 
do it because I'm out of here, and I walked off the job. I'm so amped up by what just transpired. After leaving the office I walk all the way home, a distance of more than 6 miles. Just as I'm nearing my house, my cell phone rings. It's Bob. Evidently it just dawned on him that he would, in fact, have to produce the ad campaign himself, because our other producer had the week off. He hemmed and hawed, and finally blurted out something that was quite revealing. If we lose this client we'll both get fired, and I can't afford to lose another job. Really? So you've been fired from all your other jobs? What a surprise. I tell him to go fuck himself, because I'm not taking his shit for one more minute. All the while, I'm literally trembling with the knowledge I've walked off the job without another job to go to, and I have a wife and two kids to support. Thankfully, the next call I get is from the general sales manager. You know, the guy who recommended I apply for Bob's job resulting in this whole shitstorm? By now, news of my blow-up evidently made it back to him. He asks me about what happened, and I fill him in, and apologize for walking off the job, while also telling him there's no way I'm working for Bob. He says, yup, leaving work wasn't a good idea, so do me a favor and come back. Email me the details of what happened, and I'll see what I can do. Thanks to my copious note-taking of all my interactions with Bob, it takes me no time at all to send him the complete history of Bob's boobery. So I return, hoping to avoid Bob. Thankfully, his door was closed, and I keep my head down in my cubicle. A half hour before quitting time, I notice our general manager and a security guard getting off the elevator together. I stand up to see where they are headed, and am elated to see it is directly towards Bob's office. What transpires is even better than the revenge options I was contemplating. Bob emerges from his office carrying a box of his belongings, including the rolled up Aruba travel poster, and is escorted by the security guard to the escalator. Now standing up in my cubicle, he turns towards me, his face beat red with embarrassment. As our eyes meet, I flash an ear to ear grin. The dipshit is done. Landlord wants to sue us for hurricane damages. I lived briefly in Florida about a decade ago, which is where I met my partner. It wasn't long after we met that we moved in together, due to my not so great living situation, renting a room from a friend, who was so addicted to opioids she could barely function, and her enabler husband. We found a nice little two bedroom house that was owned by an elderly couple, that lived just a few blocks away. Everything was okay, we did find cockroaches, after we moved in which was quite shocking as I'm extremely clean, and had never had roaches before, and when we told the landlords they told us they were not roaches, but palmetto bugs, FYI they are the same thing, and refused to have an exterminator come in. Bad sign number one. Then a hurricane blew in. This was Florida after all. It was only a cat one or cat two, I don't really remember. But there was substantial damage to the roof and a lot of water had gotten in. Being northerners we had no real idea how to prepare properly, and the landlords just told us to lower the hurricane shutters, so that is all we did. It wasn't long after we had mold growing on our walls, especially in the laundry room. Reported it to the landlords, and they told us to just wash it down with bleach water. So we did, and it came right back, so it was a constant cleaning process. When we complained we were told that was what life in Florida was like. They also came and took a look at the roof, 
from the yard and told us, you two are strapping young men, you can go up there and fix it, just let us know when you're done. Yeah, no. Then another hurricane blew through, again only a cat one or two. But this time we had windows broken during the storm, and since our roof was still not repaired, or even tarped from the last storm our carpets and furniture were soaked. Here comes the black mold again, but this time not only on our walls, but on our carpets and furniture too. I spent the days outside with our dog and we were sleeping in my partner's office. Our landlords again told us to just clean it up with bleach water, and that the damage was our fault, since we didn't prepare well, and hadn't fixed the roof ourselves. So we called the city, and had an inspector come by. He walked in, and balked at what he found. Black mold all over the carpets and walls, the roach population had a little boom and he could tell, while looking at the roof, that it was in need of repair prior to the storm, and it still hadn't been tarped. The best part is, when I was standing at our open door with the inspector just inside, the old man came walking up talking about how we better have repaired the roof, and how they were gonna charge us for all repairs and carpet replacements and mold removal, yada yada yada. Cue the city worker who came around the corner, and asked him if he was the owner. He said yes, and the inspector told him he was condemning the house because it was not habitable and that it was not our responsibility as tenants to make or pay for the repairs. He also recommended that we should be released from the lease. Never seen an old man wobble away so fast. Later that night his wife called raising high holy hell about how she was suing us for damages, how we were not getting any money back, blah blah blah. She also said she had removed the condemned slash danger signage that was placed on the door because it was embarrassing. People knew it was their property. But she made a mistake. She wrote us strongly worded letters about how we were taking advantage of the elderly, how all the damages were our fault since we didn't do any repairs, how she would not release us from the lease, and how many lawsuits she was going to hit us with. After contacting the inspector who saw our house, who took another trip to the house to replace the signage, we turned all of this in. He laughed and sighed, and said he knew exactly how to handle it, since he saw this all the time after hurricanes, and if they actually sued, he would testify in our favor, since what they were doing was highly illegal. He then told us he was going to pay them a little visit, and make sure the letters got into the hands of the right people as well as how he had to replace the signs, another thing she admitted in the letters. About a week later, we got a really pleasant call from the landlady saying we were such wonderful tenants, and how she was refunding our security deposit, and how she was graciously going to let us out of the lease, and not pursue any charges or the rent for the last few months, which we had refused to pay, since we could not live there, and if we needed, help finding a new place to let her know, and she would refer us to some of her friends who owned property too, lol nope. We did learn, cause we were watching the situation, that the house had to be gutted and completely remodeled. We actually parked up the road with some takeout, and watched a crew haul out sheet truck and carpet. They could have saved themselves thousands, if they had just called a roofer and someone to clean up the mold instead of making us call the city, and have the house condemned, and then do whatever they did to make them change their minds on everything else. Still wish I could have been there, when they were confronted by inspectors the second time, the first was glorious. Make me do the bulk of the work, have fun repeating class, and a little more.
Being on this subreddit made me remember something from last year. New to the revenge thing do forgive me if this isn't the right sub. I'm what you would call a mature student. I'm a mother, and this class was 85% fresh out of high school students. This story takes place in a class that is required in order to get a degree. At the beginning of the semester, my instructor assignment partners for several large assignments due throughout the semester. This was new to me, since my other classes never did this, but this professor was new, and I figured it was to save time. There were four major assignments due. At first, my partner Sarah, not real name, was great in the first project. She did her half and gave it to me in a timely manner, so I could add her information to mine. I'm kind of a perfectionist and she didn't mind. I thought we were good. But by midway through the term, I kept getting messages she was busy or didn't have enough time to complete her part. I'm pretty laid back so, while it did irritate me, I figured I could help her and did most of her half. Side note, I'm friends with the ladies in her dorm and one roommate is my cousin. I went out for drink with some of them one night and the drinker they got, the more they started talking about Sarah and being annoyed with her. Apparently Sarah was going out to party almost every night and when she returned was loud. She never cleaned up after herself and often brought back random people. My cousin at this point said that she was bragging about getting a free ride in most of her classes that required partner work. All she had to do was come up with a poor excuse that was all woe was me and her partners fell for it. My cousin pitied them and didn't think it was fair. She didn't know we were partners in this class. This pissed me off but didn't say anything. Third major project came and sure enough, she made excuses. I have her a lot of ways to make up time, adjusting my schedule to hers, willing to meet at the library in the evenings and weekends, offering tips for time management and nope, still with excuses. Third project received great marks too. Okay to revenge. The final project is work 45% of grade. It makes up for a final exam and pretty much a make or break assignment for grades. I was done with her. A week before it was due, I still have her the benefit of doubt and she pretty much shot me down. Told me I was such a big help to a fresh student and she will do what she can to help, but please don't expect a miracle. By this time, I pretty much had the project done by me 100%. I scheduled a meeting with the professor with documents to show her of how she never helped. I gave her copies of my email exchanges, text messages, and her admitting she didn't do anything to contribute, but if I was so kind enough to add her name to the assignment, because I'm her partner after all. I told the professor that I have been carrying the bulk of the work on projects, and while I understand Sarah is adjusting to university life, I don't find it fair if she got marks on this final project when I've done it myself. In short, I was allowed to hand it in under myself, and Sarah received an email stating she had a week to hand in the assignment on her own. I blocked her number and left email messages unopened. Also, I informed her roommates to keep documented evidence on her skirting her responsibilities to hand into the office and informed her other partners on her behavior and how she treated me. In the end, she failed the assignment and pretty much the class was kicked out of her dorm, surprise inspection by RA, found drugs I didn't know she did, and failed another major assignment in another course, 
Her partner is an acquaintance of mine. She was later kicked out in the following semester for handing in plagiarized work. Thank you for listening to Reddit Readings, episode 43. If you enjoyed it, consider subscribing and leaving a rating. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.